Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. We've come to another one of those sad moments in our show where we're doing a tribute episode. Actor Julian Sands had been missing since January of this year. He was known to be a mountain climber, uh, avid outdoorsman, and uh, he went missing and was found, uh, finally confirmed that they had found his body just a couple weeks ago. So, one thing that we do to turn this around and make it into a positive is uh, we find a horror movie that Julian Sands has been in. And of course there's a horror movie that Julian Sands has been in. It might be one of the most famous movies Julian Sands has ever been in. (laughs) (laughs) To us. I mean, he has, he's been in Oscar-nominated movies, so. (laughs) (laughs) Who watches those? This was 1989's Warlock. You know, it is telling, though, that when you see uh, all of the, like, little blurbs about his death, Warlock, star of Warlock and, like, one other movie, it's yeah. always up there. It's kind of funny. I think, basically, this movie more or less put him in the public eye a little bit more so than he was before. It was one of his earlier films. He was in the Killing Fields in 1984. That one, that that movie was kind of a big deal. I think that one was nominated for an Oscar, and then a room with a view, uh, a room with a view, too. Yeah, he's just been in a million things. Like uh, he's got, I think, like 150 some credits. Several things still, like in post production, that will come out, you know, posthumously for him. He's just been in a bazillion things. He's a really recognizable guy. Very handsome, tall, blonde, uh, sexy British accent. It seems to me he always played a sinister isn't the right word. I don't know. Like, I think he just seems very exotic is the right word. <laughs> I don't know. He's just got an intensity to him. But that's not to say that he, like, I've seen him in a bunch of stuff where he seemed like he was, like, nice and friendly. Like, he was in uh, Arachnophobia, which we've done. And right. he was, you know, a good guy in that movie. Uh, naive, you know, about what he, he was doing or whatever. But a friendly guy. And, and he's just done all kinds of things. Schlocky movies, serious movies, action movies. He did stage work. He, his best friend is John Malkovich. Like, he just seems like that kind of guy. Like, a, a, an actor, actor, you know? But, but he also did some silly stuff. Like, he was in the movie Vibes with, um, Cindy Lauper and Jeff Goldblum. And that is a stupid movie it's been that I love. Ages since I've seen that. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it fairly recently. It's, it's, it's bad. It's terrible. It's hilarious. I love it. Um, but he's just, he was, uh, Anne Rice's first pick to p- play Lestat when, uh, interview with a vampire was made and he didn't get it. Tom Cruise got it because they needed a big name, but that just is the kind of guy he is. Like, when I read that, that he was her first choice, I was like, oh yeah, he would have been great as Lestat, like so charismatic and enigmatic. Um, he just had a really interesting aura about him. I liked him. He was a cool guy. Yeah. When I heard that he was missing and presumed dead because he was missing for a long time. It made me sad because he wasn't old. He probably would have been working for a long time, and it's just unfortunate. That said, as you mentioned, he died what he loved doing. It wasn't uncommon for him to go out on, like, excursions by himself and um, just kind of be out in nature for extended periods of time. So... 
it's one of those it's one of those things like you got to go some way you know you may as well go doing something you love well, I think too, like he even, um, it was even said that he knew that area well. You know, this wasn't like a guy who was kind of went off and did something foolish and should have known better. Like he knew that area well. He loved that area well. Like, and I even saw an interview with him uh, where he mentioned that mountain climbing was getting a little more dangerous. <laughs> Interestingly enough. So he even recognized the risks and the increased risks of himself uh, going out and doing it. But, and uh, our hats off to him for his role in Warlock, which we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, honestly, like, <laughs> hindsight is twenty twenty. If it had ever just occurred to me that one day we might be doing a tribute episode for Julian Sands, I would have saved arachnophobia for it, because, oh. because I, I, I enjoy that movie so much, even though he's not a huge character. I mean, he's a very, very small role in that. He's prominent in the movie. Yeah, well, yeah-ish. But I really like him in that movie. That said, we have mentioned several times that we haven't done Warlock or, in, you know, yes. any of the three Warlock movies. We haven't done any of them. So we, we were bound to get around to it eventually. Uh, and I remember these movies from when I was younger. I, I can't tell you why, but I just never got as into them as I got into other franchises like yeah. even even Wishmaster like I was more into Wishmaster than I was into Warlock <laughs> but I did I did remember having fond memories of it and then we went back to watch it <laughs> man <laughs> it's not that good I can see you know what this is a very specific kind of movie uh, that was made at this time I think that the style of writing sort of the beats and the characters and right on down to the special effects. It all just falls right down a particular lane for me of a kind of movie that I recognize that I remember enjoying so much when I was a kid at that time when it came out. And now looking back on it, there's a lot of it that seems rather quaint, a lot of it that also comes across as silly and even uh, a little over the top when it's not really trying to be over the top, I think. Now, that said, I believe that when he read the script, and he'd been offered horror movies and things before, when he read the script, he initially thought it was going to be more of a black comedy. And uh, that's what signed him on. I think it's arguable that there are elements of black comedy in this movie, but I don't think this movie plays as an intentional black comedy. I just don't, th I just don't think it ended up that way. But when I was a kid... And we rented this from the video stores, and I have to I have to believe that this did crazy business on VHS. It had to, because I just I mean it was available multiple copies. You know, every video store had it. It was prominently displayed, not even always right in the horror section. And I know my friends and I all knew it. You know, we didn't know it beat by beat. It wasn't something that we were all sitting down and watching again and again and again. But I remember distinctly watching Warlock. I remember two scenes out of this movie very specifically that we talked about. We're like, oh, my God, can you believe that? You know, it was kind of unlike something we had seen before. And it felt darker and edgier for some reason, probably because of how sinister and relentless Julian Sands' character is in this movie. And so... You know, it was something a little different. I think it stood out, and that's what I remembered about it. And much like you, I hadn't seen it since. And then going back in, obviously, I just told you how I felt about it. So, 
There's more. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like we're inclined to to try to be nice about it. I didn't like it. I I actually I thought it was really bad. And and Julian Sands was good in it. And like I see the potential for him as a character. And and the movie even I see the potential. It's got it's got a similar kind of vibe as Leprechaun and yeah. Wishmaster. Like, it's in that lane. I was thinking Wishmaster 100% when I was watching it, honestly. It's in that lane, but it takes itself a little bit more seriously, I think, to a fault, because... Right. Because it doesn't, it doesn't have the acting chops, it doesn't have the writing chops to back it up. Uh, right. Yeah, or the I think, budget. Yeah, it, I think it may have been better <laughs> if they had leaned into the silliness a little more. Now, I'll be totally honest. We we decided we were going to watch it, and I put it on, and I watched it, and I didn't like it for reasons that I will explain. I want to reiterate, Julian Sands is perfectly fine. Like he's, he's Oh, he's great. great in it. He's great in it. I think he's fantastic in it. But yeah. the movie... <laughs> It's kind of a turd, but <laughs> as I was like, I was, I was reading about it and, you know, I read everything I could about Warlock and I was like, well, let's, let's check out Warlock 2. So I, I went to the IMDB page for Warlock 2 and I watched uh-huh. the trailer and I was like, I think this is the Warlock that I remember. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so I was watching it on Tubi, where it streams for free if you haven't seen this movie or want to rewatch it. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, on those streaming services, when one movie ends, it just automatically starts the next, starts one. The next one. And so it started Warlock 2. And so this was late last night, and I was drunk. Um, but, it <laughs> came, but it came on, I was like, well, let's give it a shot. And um, the first 15 minutes of Warlock 2 is exponentially better than all of Warlock 1. <laughs> well, that's good to know. We should have done Warlock 2, huh? Because it stars know. in that too. <laughs> this is, that's what I was thinking. I was like, man, we missed an opportunity. We should have like put out a poll. Because I'm sure people probably know. People who are more familiar, who've seen it more recently than us. But Warlock 2 seems like it leans more into the corniness of it a little bit bigger effects like the opening scene is a possessed woman giving birth and then um later julian sands is birthed from another possessed woman and he comes out and he's like this little demon sperm looking thing but then he just immediately he immediately becomes full grown naked julian sands we don't even get any naked julian sands in this movie man i'm telling you the second one you really felt cheated didn't you the second one's better i'm an hour into it i was watching it right up until you called me (laughs) 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 because because i got tired and had to like i got about a half hour into it last night and i was like no i gotta go to bed but i got up this morning (laughs) i was watching it right until you called it was good oh that's funny I'll tell you what, I suppose we'll get into plot. I took so few notes because so little happens. It's such a very basic, basic plot point. But to me, I think that I pinpointed the reason why I think that this is a really bad movie. And that reason is Laurie Singer. Yeah. Laurie Singer is the female lead in this movie. The only other thing that I know her from 
though I know she's done other things. The only other thing that I know her from is she was the love interest in Footloose, um, which is a movie that I love. In this movie, she is insufferable. Yeah. She is terrible. Now, to be fair, her character is awful. Like, I don't know what whoever wrote this was thinking when they're like, okay, so we're going to have a female lead. We'll make her like this pretty girl or whatever. And she's an awful person. Like, yeah. you just, you just can hate her. Like she's terrible. And then Lori Singer, again, like, I don't like to speak ill of people. I'm sure she's a lovely person in real life. She is terrible in this movie. Yeah. She is so bad. She's so phoning it I in. I wish she had died <laughs> like, in the first scene. And then, and then I was thinking about it and I'm like, but, but Footloose is so good. Like, I love Footloose. And then I was thinking about it and I'm like, you know what? She's not very good in that movie either. It's, she's just in a good movie. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you figured it out. Well, I also heard that as an actress on this movie, she was a bit insufferable as well, that they had a lot of difficulties with her, not the least of which was that she refused to wear a lot of the appliance makeup that they had created for her. Because a key plot point in this film is that she, early on, gets cursed by the warlock and starts to age quickly, like she's going to die in a few days. (laughs) She ages 20 years every day. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, like, you got to commit to that if you're going to do it. And sadly, all the makeup, the aging makeup they had for her, they had to scuttle simply because she would refuse to wear it. And so, you know, they just kind of resorted to basic kind of makeup stuff, darkening her eyes and graying her hair and, and things. And It looks dumb. It does look dumb. It looks cheap, you know? It, it looks, looks really stupid. And that's, like... Uh... I know that our, our shtick is that we usually, you know, we start at the beginning and, and work our way to the end, but there, there are things that I want to address here like that. Um, it's just so fun. This movie is so dated. Oh yeah. In, in, in that, like, <laughs> in that they would have even put her in prosthetics to portray a 40 year old. Right. <laughs> like I, I went out, I went out to dinner with my parents last night. We were talking about, aging and like how people look and stuff and i said i just watched this movie where this 20 year old or 20 something year old woman is supposed to age to 40 and then age to 60 and i like when they age her to 60 it looks like they were trying to age her to 160 yeah like like she (laughs) is an old crone one foot in the grave (laughs) (laughs) it's so stupid she's having trouble with her knees it's really stupid yeah and it looks terrible like you said the first time when she ages well not only does she age 20 years per day but in an instant like it's not like she progressively ages 20 years over the course of a day no well that would have been a pain in the ass at some point during the day she instantaneously ages 20 years and she gets like a pain in her stomach and and then it happens and each time (laughs) it happens she like wakes up with (laughs) floor length hair yes super long fingernails the first time you're right like they just kind of gave her dark circles under her eyes made her really pale and washed out put a stupid ugly wig on her um but then the second time you know you said she refused prosthetics or whatever i don't know what they did to her face but like they just made her look bloated and weird 
they were able to get a couple prosthetics on her for that last one, but that was it. They had they had much more they'd wanted to do, and presumably it would have been better. Who knows? It was hilarious to me that that was supposed to be sixty. Like I was, I'm 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 literally in the car with my parents who are in their mid. 60s and just look like normal people like they don't yeah (laughs) (laughs) well we've talked about it before how the golden girls were supposed to be you know ladies of the twilight of their life at 50 and they look like you know (laughs) it's it's crazy how silver white hair old grannies it's 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 wild well i i uh i think that distracted me and i think that you know it affected the acting too because then she doesn't act like a person who's 40 you know she doesn't act like a person who's 60 so a person kind who of a mismatch 40 doesn't there. act like anything like no you know what i mean i, like, I know there's no I, ch- I know they're trying to like visually portray some change right, in I get her it, I get it. but that's not supported by any other kind of change you know in her except at one point she's jogging after a train and i think we're supposed to believe this is super hard for her oh God. at these so right stupid. this horrible age of 40 cuz she's made up she's made up to look ridiculous now this is when she's 60 i think cuz it's right before oh, it? okay. yeah because she ooh, like when he puts a curse on her like he steals her bracelet like the only way she can break the curse is if she gets her bracelet back and so the warlock is on a freaking train and she's chasing the train and she's supposed to be like 60 but she looks like she's a hundred in this terrible makeup but then also in like the trendy like quote-unquote punk clothes that her character wears and it's just i think that she is supposed to be the comic relief of the movie Mm. because i do think that it's trying to be funny i think well that they thought she was funny but she's not at some point it kind of becomes a a wannabe road movie. Oh, totally. Where she's supposedly having some witty banter and some semi-flirtatious or clever chatter or whatever about, oh, how how wacky is the future now? You know, with this guy, uh, Red Thorn or Red... Red Fern. Red Band. <laughs> Red, Red Fern. <laughs> Red Man, like... <laughs> <laughs> like a trailer. The rapper, Red Man. <laughs> Big Red. I just want to call him Big Red. <laughs> he was so familiar to me, and I couldn't pinpoint anything that he was in, but he's been in a million every things. production that's ever been made. <laughs> like, when he dies, we should have done, like, this movie for him, honestly, because... He is working... Like, I would bet $5 that at this moment in time, he is working. This guy is, like, oh, yes. he's done so much it's- stuff. It's Richard E. Grant, and he he works. He does like six or seven movies a year. You know, he's just a nonstop actor, and and you'll recognize him, especially the older version. Yeah, of him, yeah, he's handsome. Um, he's handsome. Yeah. He's got like kind of these got icy great blue eyes. eyes. Yeah, very handsome. And honestly, I thought he was doing great in this movie. With, yeah, with the ridiculousness, like he kept up. He kept up uh, his sort of, I guess, supposed to be fourteen. A 17th century American accent or whatever like that. Yeah, uh, he, he kept it up. I thought he was on point. I thought, you know, this could have been really hammy and really stupid, but he played it very, very straight, uh-huh. and it worked. Totally. He was supposed to be the straight man to her comic stuff, but she's not funny. Yeah. She's just a terrible person. <laughs> like, that's that. just being a terrible, insufferable person doesn't make it funny. 
Um, but no, he did great. Like, he's like this, you know, uh, colonial witch hunter or whatever, like, dressed in furs. And, and it's totally like a fish out of water thing. Like, he comes to modern day, 1980, whatever this is, um, and doesn't assimilate at all. Like, she never puts him in normal clothes or, like, yeah. he's, like he's like boarding planes in his furs. Fur. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's hilarious. It's but you're so right, funny. But he's great. He does a great job. And um, I, I read that uh, initially he read for the warlock and Julian Sands read for the good guy. But the director decided he wanted them in the opposite roles. And I think that they both do a great job. The basic premise is it starts in colonial America somewhere, Boston, presumably. And there's this warlock. <laughs> He doesn't have a name. In fact, I don't remember if the word warlock is ever mentioned in the movie because they always just refer to him as a witch. Yeah. These Puritans have this warlock, like, you know, chained up um, in a really uncomfortable position. God. Like in an attic. Like, he, he's... I wouldn't even want to be in that position for two minutes, let alone... I couldn't get in uh... that position. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's, he's standing up, but, like, his wrists are chained to his ankles or something. So, like, he, he can't stand he's erect. Like bent he's over. Constantly, um, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just one of the first images we saw. It's like, oh, that looks terrible. But at the, at the last minute, like, an evil storm wisps him away to modern day and then eventually this guy the witch hunter or whatever redfern follows him there i don't know how i don't remember how it was how does that happen i don't, I know. don't know if it's ever explained it's just like they travel in tornadoes <laughs> yeah, I know, tiny little <laughs> tiny little animated tornadoes that it's like the wizard of oz there's such care taken to show the disappearance of the warlock. He's up there. There's this big storm that brews. Redfern goes running back in there, and the room that the warlock is in is like spinning, and 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 he just just vanishes, disappears. Redfern's like kind of yelling, and then present day flashes to, and there's a similar storm, and there's a tiny little tornado. <laughs> Going down the street. That crashes right into this very specific house where Laurie Singer lives. I think that she's just like a boarder. This is one of the only things that I remember about this movie, and I think it's because my little gay self must have uh. recognized something in this guy. Like she, I think she's renting a room from this guy named Chaz, who they make a point... Uh, I mean, he's obviously gay, but they also make a point out of saying it later, but like, uh, cause he gets killed. Uh, but a cop says something like, you said your roommate was gay. And she says, yeah, gay, not queer. There's a difference. Is there? What? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I must have missed that day of the seminar. <laughs> I'm not sure what she meant by that. I was scratching my head at that line as well. And then it was like, the cop was like, well, can you give me a list of his lovers? Because maybe, you know, one of them. Were the ones who murdered him. I thought, oh, this is so. I don't know. Quaint. It was this... well, yeah. It was very, uh, very eighties. I don't know. But the fact that there was a gay character in here, and then it, the the warlock just coincidentally mm. tornadoes into their house, and they're not like they put him up for the night, like yeah, and then before he even wakes up, I know, yeah. 
I, you should take him to the hospital, I'm afraid, but yeah, I, go on. Whatever. I mean, if a guy <laughs> tornadoes in your house, what are you going to do? I don't know. What are you going to do? Uh, uh, <laughs> it's too late. It's too late to call the police. You got Dinner's already burning on the stove. Just, uh... <laughs> so the next day she goes to work or something, and Chaz, the nice man who allowed the warlock to stay in his house overnight, is just like in the kitchen cooking, and the warlock comes in and talks to him, and it's kind of flirty? And then... Yeah, is it, though? Well, I feel like Chaz thinks it's kind of flirty, and Mm. I don't think that he has any reason to not. (laughs) (sighs) Jeez Louisely scared. I'm heading out in a little while. I'll give you a lift downtown. What are you looking at? Oh, my ring. I'm a Scorpio. Or I was... I don't believe in astrology much anymore. Truly. I don't think anyone does. I mean, it's just so... 60s. (laughs) Chaz has no sense of awareness at all. That's what makes this whole scene cringy. I I was very uncomfortable watching the scene. And it had nothing to do with any uh, potential sexual content. It was just what Chaz was doing and what Julian Sands' character were doing were just at complete odds with one another. I was just worried for him. He's being super friendly to him and he's being nice. He's just being a charming guy. Like, I'd like to be in the room with this guy. He's cooking lunch. He's being chatty. He's cool. And the warlock has just got this smug, like, look on his face like, I'm about to murder you. And barely responds to anything that Chaz is saying. And when he does, it's creepy. And he just kind of keeps going. Chaz is yeah. wearing this ridiculously <laughs> large ring that's like a... It's like one it's of those... It's like got a baby it's, scorpion it's, it's, Yeah, it's like one of those freaking yeah. paperweights with a scorpion in it, but as a ring. Yeah. And, and the warlock, like, admires it, and then... Chaz is like, well, Chaz starts talking about it like it's like it's he's really like, special. I would, yeah, he's like, I'd let you try it on, but I broke this finger and now I I can't take it off. So the warlock just picks up a big knife, chops his finger off to take the ring. This is a ring that looks like it came out of a gumball machine, yeah. and I have no idea why. Like the warlock wears rings. I guess he's just like a ring enthusiast, he's like a ring collector. You <laughs> might know. The only thing I could think of, because it's pretty obvious if you're even half paying attention, because even mention is made of it, I believe when they're carrying him around, Chaz is like, oh, don't drop it there. This this table's 100 years old or yeah. whatever. And you look in their house, and it, it looks like everything he owns is an antique. Obviously... It needs to be for the way that the, the plot it's point, so, but right, I, but it's so contrived and stupid. I imagined this was like an antique ring that maybe was even from that same village that he recognized. Yeah, but that's never told to us. It's never said. It never comes up again. No. The ring's not magical. No, nothing, nothing. But mm. then the way he kills Chaz, but the way, well, like <laughs> I was reading in the trivia, it's funny. He he knocks him down in front of a door. And then he, he picks him up and he knocks his head on the door, which was unscripted. And and I just, knowing that it was going to happen, I was watching for it. And the actor, when he his head gets hit on the doorknob, goes, ow. <laughs> 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 which I just thought was really funny. But, you know, I mean, that's what you would do. It's funny. Um, oh, but then my gosh. The way, the, I remember this. This is like the, one of the only things. This and the Mary Waranoff scene are the only things that I remembered. 
the way that the warlock kills him is that he makes out with him. Like, yes. he grabs him by the face and puts, like, a big kiss on him. So big that he bites his tongue off. Now, I understand that this is predatory and, and, and vicious. Super homoerotic. Yeah. Like, and, and it had to be intentionally so. Like, I don't think that I had ever seen two men kiss like that on TV before uh, right <laughs> and they're like I, I i think that's the thing like they're not kissing no but that's sure what it looks like this was the one scene that we talked about a lot and it wasn't even about the homoeroticness of it when we were kids it was about how cool is it that he bit his tongue out because we'd never seen that in a horror movie before you know character just biting somebody else's tongue out it was gross i felt bad for poor chas he was such a super nice guy um he was a nice dude yeah but also like he just falls down dead immediately i think there'd be more to it than that but yeah and then god i don't know uh then (laughs) so then i guess so the warlock goes to see mary warnoff who is a channeler like she channels yes. spirits or whatever mary warnoff of course we've seen in a bazillion things she i think is in she was in the beginning of chopping mall i think she was in that alien that came through the satellite movie like we've seen her in a bazillion things i always enjoy seeing her i guess she's a, like a psychic i guess or a clairvoyant or something and the warlock comes to see her and he's like I need to channel a spirit. She's like, well, I only do group sessions. He's like, no, seriously, I need to. She's like, okay. <laughs> he hands her a crystal. I'm not sure what that had to do with anything. I don't either. And he, he, she's like, who do you want to talk to? And he's like, uh, did he say his dad? He said he has many names. He's my father. He goes by many names. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of the family or my dad. And she's like, well, like I'm going to need one of the names. And he's like, Zamir. I don't remember. I looked it up. It's Zamian. <laughs> Damien with a Z. <laughs> Zamil. Uh, I looked it up. It means told by God. I don't know. I don't know where it comes oh. from. It may just come from this movie. What do I know? She like is a scam artist and she's like I am Zamuel what do you want to ask me and he's like well let's just wait until the real Zamuel comes she's like what do you mean and then blah, blah. And then her face her face turns <laughs> all demony oh it's this, cool it's great, I love this part this is my it's favorite scary. part you can, I looked it up you can just watch this part on YouTube and that's all you need to see of this movie yeah this is a great scene uh, he talks to Satan I guess in her body did you read about how this scene was supposed to go oh my god i cannot (laughs) even imagine i so wish this existed so like i i need to see this they shot it yeah the actual thing's never been released but you can actually see because because a clip from this does show up in the original trailer from the movie what happens is she ends up basically frozen tears her shirt open to reveal her breasts if you look at this i've seen some some bits of from the trailer you know it's like he's just lingering over her and he's saying i am satan's spawn or something and he's looking at her and it's like she has ice crystals and stuff on her face and her eyes are closed but what happens is that the devil's eyeballs are supposed to emerge from her nipples (laughs) which then he kicks her over and stomps her chest 
to pop the eyeballs out so that he could take them. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of crack smoking writing session brought that on? It's I'm that's right up there with Linnea Quigley's lipstick in the nipple for no apparent reason. In, yeah, but it's uh, Night of the it's, Demons. It sounds it sounds great. I wanted to see that. Well, it, it instead, sounded exciting. Instead, he just like Satan's like do, do what I demand. Bring it together. So he cuts her eyes out. And then he literally has these tiny little eyes <laughs> that, he that has, sit upright in his hand. That he has for a while, and they like they're, they're like a compass, I guess. They like point him in the right direction. But at some point, doesn't he just like he's fighting and they get dropped on the ground and then we never see them again? Is is that is that right? <laughs> well, it's pretty accurate. Yeah, things kind of like do he get has dropped them for a while. Everything gets dropped. This dumbass Cassandra, Lori Singer, she talks to the cops and like I think she's supposed to be like the fun smartass, but she just seems like a bitch yeah she's she's totally self-involved she's not fun no she, she doesn't care about anybody but herself well they're also building her up to be you know again in a better movie this would there, there would be a character arc here right where she's getting what she deserves she's obsessed about her looks she's obsessed about being young i mean it's just thrown at you in your face to a hilarious degree like there's a point where she is so busy putting makeup on in the car that she almost hits an old lady driving across the street. And after she slams on the brakes and waits for this old lady to come by, she's like, get out of my way, you old person, honk, 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 and then continues. Oh, yeah. and she, well, okay, my we God, she says, Ugh, don't ever let me get old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that then when, of course, she gets her curse, and she's cursed with that very thing, and I suppose afterwards, once you know, she's relieved, she's supposed to be better. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I think she's supposed to be kind of redeemed at the end because she. But it doesn't. So, like, the warlock shows back up and they fight. As it turns out, by sheer coincidence. So, what the warlock needs is the grand grimoire, which is like the most evil of all witchy books or something. This is what the devil sent him here to gather. Yes, it's not just in one place. Like, it's been torn up into three pieces, and he's got to find all three pieces and it just so happens that one of those pieces is in Chaz's coffee table like yeah what the fuck like well, this is so stupid i think i think the devil had to know that or else he wouldn't have sent him there you know oh, crashing boy. through their window all right hey, but the devil doesn't tell you anything outright right <laughs> he doesn't say all right check the coffee table <laughs> they go to this barn uh and then you know the last one is buried with this guy it's like Take my take the eyes out of this woman, and I'm going to use them to guide you around. And then, like you said, uh, he crashes in. He wakes up. He he's on the run. He's out with his eyeballs, trying to find the next place. In the meantime, this guy, Red Red Thorn, God, what is it? Red, red Fern. Fer red Fern. Like, wh like where, where the, the Red, red fern, fern grows? grows? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so Red Fern just shows up. He just shows up to smack her. <laughs> he shows up and smacks her and I was like finally geez she needs it <laughs> and, and you know this is one of those movies where it's just the characters end up 
taking so much on faith. Like, after a very short period of time, she's totally on board with what this guy's doing. Well, she has to. She doesn't have any choice. Well... Because she's gonna die. She's cursed. The, yes, The but, warlock cursed her. Come on. If, if a random person showed up in your house the way that he shows up in the house, saying the things that he said, and she is just like, oh, oh... Well, uh, let me just slink around the corner here. Oh, let me, like, lock myself in the bathroom. Let me just... Oh, yeah. Uh, no, she'd be running out the door, calling the cops. Well, she did call the cops. Well, she tried to... She did, but... <laughs> she, she did. She bails least... him out the next day. <laughs> well, because she got... She aged 20 years overnight. Like, she's probably thinking, that's kind of weird. <laughs> He sets up. He sets up the uh, what's it called? The compass, the de- the witch compass. The witch compass. Whose idea was this? The I don't know. Compass. It's all oh. so like it's all dumb. And it like so yeah. He the red fern you know shows up at her house, but then she has him arrested, and then then that's when the warlock comes back because she can't pack fast enough. Like ugh. even the cops are like, "Lady, if I were you, I'd get out of here." And she's like, "You know what? Time me." And then she takes for frickin' ever, and the warlock shows up, puts the curse on her, so she has to go get him. And then, you're right, it just becomes a Buddy Road movie. Yeah. Like, I, I don't even, are they following him? Are, I don't... Well, he sets, he makes a big deal out of this compass, because they gotta get blood, drip it on there to make it work, and it swings get, around. Get and, blood out of the vacuum cleaner bag. Yeah, oh you know. God. And, and, and it swings around at points. But this compass is like a meticulous thing you gotta set up. It takes them like five minutes to set up, and they just got it balanced on this thing. Yeah, but then later, anything pointy will work. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Well... Apparently, it was supposed to be a rooster chained up in a circle or something like that, but they ditched that idea and went for this compass thing instead. So they get in the car, and they just start driving down a highway. And I'm thinking, where are they going? How did they know? Did I miss something? Did I miss some dialogue? He just randomly stops the car, sets up the compass again. Oh, okay, it's that way. And then they just start driving again off in the same direction they were going, which is in that general vicinity. Like, this is a very inefficient way to find this dude. Yeah. Only later, for, again, reasons unexplained, because it's not like they have an epiphany or anything, we now see that compass thing, like, suspended inside the car with a bunch of janky, like, string and rope and chains and things so that it's kind of floating there so that they could, I guess, sort of follow it in real time, right? Like a little GPS. Oh, Oh. Oh, boy. (laughs) Meanwhile, the warlock's just, you know, I don't know, making his way across the country. I don't know. I don't know where he's going. I I guess the eyes are leading him. But he gets a little help. He gets a little help because... uh, for some reason, he's walking across the desert and just happens upon a little boy. <laughs> Hello, little boy. <laughs> just strikes up a little conversation with him, plays his little electronic game with him. I'm, I'm like, where in the world is this going? Here's the church in the background. And he's like, what is that singing coming from? Oh, it's the church. And why don't you go to church? Oh, no, my daddy and I, we, you know, we don't believe in church. I don't go to church, yada, yada. Oh, that's interesting. 
And then the boy says something about, uh, what are you? And he says, I'm a, I'm a witch. And he says, no, only girls are witches. And besides, where's your broom? Witches need brooms to fly. Don't you know that? And he says, well, I don't need a broom to fly. And he says, really? Well, what do you, how do you fly then? And then it cuts away. And then it cuts to... Within an hour, within an hour, this little boy has been murdered, boiled, turned into a potion... The townspeople believe that it's he a coyote. was attacked by coyotes, so they have put together a coyote hunt. Like, like I honestly, like I think it's this so is clunky. A, it's in a matter of seconds. Because <laughs> like, it's like the next place that Cassandra and um, Red, Redfern pull over is like a gas station just a random gas station down the road and there's some talk about what is that oh a coyote oh well some a coyote came and killed a boy oh and then they walk over and they see this coyote like well that was a nice coincidence that they happen to stop there they're just on his tail Redfern immediately assumes that he thinks this had something to do with the warlock and so he runs up to the woman and asks her frantically was your son baptized and no he wasn't baptized and, and he's like oh my god and he goes back to to uh, cassandra and tells her he can fly now because witches need the boiled fat fat of a unbaptized child in order to fly and it's just it's so clunky how this is all delivered and it's not a, like it's this is supposed to be shocking. that scene between julian sands and that kid was fine like there are moments that are fine it's just it's not interesting i was bored bored <laughs> like who cares like and, and then they just keep going on this road trip for a long time like uh the warlock stops at an amish family's house and apparently part of the book is there and the amish dad recognizes all the signs like the horse is sweaty and the cream turned sour and oh there must be a witch so i'm gonna paint a pentagram on the barn right and then <laughs> it goes through all the trouble of painting a pentagram on the barn but he knows the problem is in his attic and right, just so that Redfern and What's Her Butt can see it from the road and be like, "Oh, mother, which must be there." Yeah, and and then there's a big battle. Oh, dude, the <sighs> battle was the funniest part. I laughed out loud at this battle. My favorite oh. part was when he lassoed him. Yes, the, the warlock is flowing, is flying now, uh-huh. and it's all wire work. And I am a big fan of wire work. So it's not all I wire work. Some of it is very much. Uh, yeah, some of it is very poor animation. That's true. Um, but my favorite, what's his Redfern has a whip <laughs> that he uses sometimes. <laughs> like Indiana Jones, and he like yeah, he like lassoes the warlock, and like <laughs> the whip is like tied around the warlock's ankle and the warlock is flying <laughs> redfern is holding onto it getting dragged it's like a cartoon it's yeah. like a bugs bunny cartoon it is it is very it's much hilarious like oh my favorite part well the warlock kind of looks over i think it's while he's still up on the barn he looks over and he does a little twitchy thing with his finger and makes a a weather vane yeah. that has a pointy end to it pop off of the barn and go straight down, har har, just missing him between his legs, uh, Redfern's legs on the ground, which Redfern then picks up, and while the warlock is flying around and almost about to get away, he manages to throw like a javelin. <laughs> yeah. And it hits the warlock in the back, and it is so funny because the shot is just this javelin going in his back close up and he goes ah 
<laughs> and then flutters to the ground. Yeah. And then they 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 oh. like they get him tackled on the ground and Redford's like, take his shoes off. I'm like, why? Like, what are you doing? That I, I guess I guess the way that you bind witches is by putting thumb screws and toe screws yeah on them well i don't know it's not really established but yeah there's one part where like they only get it half on like they get one of his thumbs screwed to one of his toes but then he gets away and he's just hopping away on one leg (laughs) oh my god so funny and then i don't know there's like a the train chase and she gets the at what point in the movie does she spit the pennies out of her mouth Oh my god! I don't even know. Is that now or later? There's. I think it's later. That's now. No, it's already happened. Like (laughs) he just Redfern. He could just be fucking with them, and I think that that would be even (laughs) funnier. Like might have been. (laughs) This will shut you up. (laughs) Yeah, he tells her she has to hold these pennies between her her lips, like that's gonna protect her from the. And at one point, she's like her. Be careful. <laughs> At one point, she has like four lines that she has to deliver with these pennies between her lips. And as each line goes by, it gets more and more stupid looking. I don't get it. If this saying is so bitch into witches, why would you leave a page? Even just a page. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, and that's then, around this point. I forgot about that. No, she's she's got these in her she's got these in her mouth even beyond into the train chase scene. Because eventually she runs off with a hammer, uh, and she's told to hammer oh, hammer his footprints. Yeah. The warlock is on a train, just sitting in a train car, I guess, gathering himself. And uh she hammers some nails into footprints that she comes across in the dirt, which makes him in pain in one foot and in pain in another foot. And then apparently he has a head print. <laughs> I don't know what did he yeah. fall face first into some dirt or whatever. That's what it looks like. I didn't understand this either though, because like she's nailing his feet, but then he picks up a board and puts his feet on the board, and then it doesn't that her it. nailing doesn't work anymore. Like <sighs> is it like a magic guard? I don't for his know. Fi- that was weird. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Then they fly to Boston, and the warlock flies in the cargo hold. I also love that sometimes when there's nothing else going on, he just does, like, fancy light magic to amuse himself and us, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, like, he's sitting in the cargo hold just, like, making lights with his fingers and stuff. And they get to Boston, and they are looking for the last part of the book, and um, they talk to some priest and the priest is like well we used to have it here but uh it's not here anymore and i don't even they figure out that it's in some graveyard right yes and the warlock is of course you know like right on their tail and what's this thing it's like it's all he's like don't worry because it's holy ground he cannot set foot on holy ground so we'll be safe in the graveyard and if the grimoire is there all the better uh and then she's like well how are we gonna know if it's holy ground and he takes that pointy thing that he's been carrying around with him the whole time, the weather vane. The weather vane. This is a seven-foot-tall weather vane that he's not only carrying around with him, but that he brought on the plane. Yeah. And the, the stewardess is like, can I take that for you, sir? Like, yeah. what? It's supposed to be funny, but... I understand that things were different pre-9-11, but they were never that different. No, you're right. 
you had a, you know, you could only get like a knife that was less than like four inches long or something like that yeah. on the plane. Then again, people were also smoking on the plane. So I guess yeah. a lot of things, a lot of things. Have I actually changed. liked all the airport stuff, especially how she could thwart the credit card scanning process by distracting the woman. Oh my. Just unplugging the credit card machine. God, that was the stupidest thing. Like, what are we supposed to believe the outcome of that is? So she, she goes to the ticket booth and the lady's computer is literally like a gas station credit card swiper (laughs) like it's it's super super old and she swipes the credit card and then gets distracted and laurie singer just unplugs it from the back now first of all wouldn't the first thing you would do if it stopped working check to be like it's just one plug it's not like we're talking about like today's computers where there's a bazillion wires no there's just one cord and she just pulled it out secondly are we then to believe that the lady's like oh crap the machine doesn't work yeah you can just go for free like is that what we're supposed to believe Uh, i i that i suppose that's exactly what we're supposed to believe i don't know if this inspired you know thousands of youth from the 90s to uh try to thwart credit card machines this way i can't imagine well at some point she also hands redfern her credit card and says here this is for gas just give it to the guy and when he gives you a piece of paper just scribble any name on it they never check it doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) that bit's true yes children of the 80s that's how credit cards work it's just free money just scribble a name (laughs) no big deal whatever okay so they end up in this uh graveyard he stabs this into the ground Oh, yeah. And for a second, it starts smoking, and the ground kind of quivers a little bit. And he's like, all right, that means it's holy ground. Why? Well, yeah. So weather vanes make sacred ground smoke? Uh, like, I, I, This made no sense. It made absolutely no sense. Uh, they, know that the, they know that the bad guy's nearby because the weather vane is laying on top of one of the graves, and it starts spinning around just like that uh, complicated... Uh, yeah. contraption earlier. She sees a sign that talks about development or something, and she's like, oh, crap. The grave that they find is marked with a pentagram, and it turns out it's his grave, which is very unsettling to him. Mm. He cannot- <laughs> like, it's a whole... It's a whole deal. He's been able to handle so much up to this point, but now yeah. he never imagined this would happen and it, it freaks no, him out. No, and, and he he can't look at it. And again, I think this is supposed to be funny. Oh, God. Like, she opens it up, and I guess the corpse is holding the book, and she has to, like, break fingers off to get it out, and it goes on for too long, and it's never funny. And Oh, the dialogue here is so stupid. You better not look. And he's turned the other way. And then she opens it and she's like, oh, I knew it. And he's like, what is it? She's like, nope, you better not look. Nope, nope, you better not. And then he looks and she goes, oh, blazes. Well, what did you expect? I told you not to look and you did. How dumb can you be? I know it's oh, really bad. God, it's awful. God. It's, and and it, as it turns out, his grave is not on consecrated ground because they it's been moved. Right, because through the graveyard renovation project that she it's been moved twenty yards to the left and it's no longer <laughs> right. <laughs> And somehow it's not consecrated anymore. I don't know what that means. I just thought maybe the very act of, you know, putting graves on ground made them consecrated, but apparently not. But because they poked their stick in on that side, they can see it has no effect, and therefore it's unconsecrated. Which, you know, just take those pages to the other side. Just hang out there for a while, or 
bury him or something. Why, right. Just you know? like, you know, hocus pocus it. Just go jump in one of those exhumed graves. He can't get you, you know? Yeah, what? you're done. <laughs> Whatever. But anyway, the, the warlock shows up and Redfern and Cass, they split the pages that they found between them and they run off. But the warlock gets her and I guess for revenge stabs her in the feet <laughs> yeah if this was so dumb of all the things he could do to this woman he's got like her in a very awkward and difficult to maintain position where she's lying on her back he's got his foot kind of on her neck he's got her other f- leg in the air leaving her other leg free to kick him but she doesn't he has pulled off her shoe and he has a little nail that he's poking in her foot and I, oh god we we, we missed what surely was my favorite part at some point when they're talking to the priest redfern gets really heated about why it's so important that they get the book and keep it from him because the whole thing is like if he gets the book and he puts it all together it will reveal god's true name and if he's if the warlock speaks the name backwards then it will reverse creation and when redfern is explaining this he said something about <laughs> Satan's farting hole. Did you hear? That? <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh, and I was only half paying attention at this oh. point. And then I was like, "And Satan's farting hole." I'm like, ah, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. Oh gosh, I don't know. So they, I don't know, they fight him. Redfern's like, he's like, I, I challenge you to a fight, but with no magic and no weapons. And like, so what they the fight f- for a little while. It's so stupid. He puts the pages on the ground and then he's like, here, go take them. But you can't use magic and you can't use this and you can't do that. And the warlock just goes along with it. Like, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, until, until he's bested and then he's like, you know what? Forget it. I'm using my magic. <laughs> but I don't even understand what happened in here. He's pressing the warlock's face into the consecrated ground, I guess, which is, you know, really making him burn up. But then the warlock tosses something into his mouth, and then he starts puking violently, and he says, well, I guess feels like the rules have changed. And I'm thinking, yeah, I, I don't even know what these rules are. I can I can hardly tell what's happening here. Is this magic? Is this the consecrated ground? Why is he able to walk on the ground all of a sudden with no issues? He wasn't even supposed to be able to set foot on it, but it's burning his face. But now this guy's magic puking. Well, and yeah, and so then the warlock says says some mumbo jumbo words, and the book comes together. And the big supernatural storm rolls in, and the name, God's name, appears on the pages. And, like, we see it mostly happening, and I thought that we were going to actually get to see it. And so, like, I, I was like, oh, what's God's name? And it was it was coming together. I swear to God, I thought that it was going to say Kevin. And I'm like, that is so <laughs> fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> Like, the big mystery is, like, we have to figure out what's God's name. It's <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> we don't actually oh, see what it is. No. Um, but the warlock gets all cocky. He's like, ha ha, God, I know your name. And I'm about I'm to gonna say, say it. it. <laughs> Here any minute, I'm going to say it. You get and- ready. Three, two, don't think I'm not going to say one. Yeah. 
And then Cass jumps up behind him and oh. injects him in the neck. Now, we failed to mention, though we were beaten over the head with it in the beginning, that she's diabetic. And yeah. so she has to give herself insulin injections. We are beaten over the head with that in the first 10 minutes of the movie. And then it doesn't really come up again until now. Yeah. But she got salt water, I guess, because he threw her in the, the sea, lake. I guess. I don't know. The salt water. And, <laughs> the sea, <laughs> and she she filled up her uh, syringes with salt water. She injects him in the neck. And salt is, uh, yeah. Witches don't like salt, right? right. So uh, he bursts into flames and he rises into the air and he's burning and then he just falls dead. And Redfern stomps on his skull, and the supernatural storm goes away, and then, like... And then there's, like, this weird, almost romantic moment between them. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, he had... There was a whole deal about how he had, like, a wife, and the warlock had killed his wife, and he's really sensitive about that. And then here, just out of nowhere, though she has been nothing but a pain in the ass, he's like... I feel like if we'd known each other at a different time, it'd be different. <laughs> <laughs> she's almost okay. like a, earlier on. She's almost like a petulant girlfriend because you know she gets her that bracelet back from the warlock so that she can stop aging. And then she doesn't care. And she does that all on her own. And she springs in on him, and she's like, "Hey, here I am." And he's like, "Oh, thank God you're back." Blah 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 blah. And she's like. Oh, gets that pouty look on her face like, didn't you notice my new haircut? Why didn't you say anything about it? And then, like, super bitchy. I think that was supposed to be funny, too, and it... I know, this, but this, this end is so dumb that it really kind of makes me mad. Like, he kisses her on the eyes. Okay, whatever. Fine. But then he, like, says something, and she closes her eyes as it appears that he's going in for a kiss. But then he disappears and turns into a tornado. A tornado. And the tornado flies over to his grave, and the tornado engraves a message to her on his grave. It oh. says something like, I'll always remember you, or something fucking <laughs> stupid like that. And then she's like, oh, that's so sweet. And then she looks over and is like, ah, shoot, the book. Like, because the book is still there. (laughs) I thought that was funny, And now it's all together. Yeah. Uh, So she takes it out and buries it on a salt flat, which in a different movie I would find really hilarious. But I was so done with this (laughs) movie. I'm like, Jesus, just be over. And, and, And then I was even mad at her. Like, I actually thought that it was... Again, in an actually funny movie, I would have thought that it was really funny that the last thing that we see is her burying this book in an enormous salt flat. I thought that would be funny. But it's not a funny movie, and so I was just pissed at her. I'm like, oh, really? Like, you're just going to leave it all together and bury it one centimeter below the ground? (laughs) (sighs) I hated her. I hated her in this movie. And that's it. And that's the end. Is she in the sequel? No, thank God. Um, the, the sequel <laughs> focuses around two, like, there's, there's young people, like teenage people, and then there's a group of older people, and some of them are like magic and psychic, and the, the, the warlock comes back, and he's not interested in the book anymore, but there are these five crystals. Oh, God. <laughs> that he has to get. Oh and, god. Uh, <laughs> it's like a video game. Get the get the three pieces of the book together before midnight on the second right, moon. Right, we need right. five crystals. Oh, man. 
but oh. no, it's uh, the sequel. Seriously, like I'm an hour into it. It's just much more fun. It's still a bad movie, but it's way, way more fun. I, you know, the writer of this movie is no slouch. It's kind of weird, but it is one of the first movies that he wrote. Uh, just after this movie came out, I believe uh, his script for The Fugitive with Harrison Ford got picked up. And the writer is David Tuhi. And since then... Uh, He's he wrote, done a ton of stuff. Yeah, G.I. Jane, The Chronicles of Riddick, the whole Riddick series or whatever, Pitch Black, The Arrival, uh, Terminal Velocity, and Waterworld. The director has done lots of stuff that we like, too. I, oh, yeah. I want to say maybe he did House and... Yes, Steve uh, Miner. Yeah. So, you know, there's good people behind it. And in terms of quality of filmmaking, it's okay. Like, it's it's not terrible. We've definitely seen worse. We've 100% seen way worse movies than this. I, I'm tell, I tell you, Laurie Singer ruined this movie for me. Like, mm. she was so terrible in it yeah. that it made the rest of the movie virtually unsalvageable. I think you're right about that. But... The character, the warlock character, I liked him. I will also say that the sequel gets schlockier and it's more like Wishmaster. Like I just saw a scene where the warlock, in order to get one of these crystals, has to like get it because he can't just take them. They have to be willfully given to him. Oh. And so, like, he tells, he goes to, like, this museum, and the guy's like, well, I'm not going to sell you this stone. And he's like, well, if you give me the stone, I'll give you the most amazing piece of art your museum has ever seen. And then he, the guy gives him the stone, and he turns the guy into this grotesque, like, Picasso-esque sculpture, mm. right? So very wish mastery, but still more fun. And uh, it really seems like um, in the sequel, Julian Sands is chewing it up more. Like he's having more fun with mm. it. He's more playful with the character, uh, which I really enjoy. So um, if you listeners are, are only going to watch one, like if you're just going to have a moment to appreciate Julian Sands, I would just go straight for the sequel. You don't need to know anything about the original. He's a war. He's an evil warlock. That's all you need. To know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for what it's worth, like I, I think he's, great in this movie he's playing exactly what he's supposed to play he's the evil warlock and he looks good he doesn't have you know i think if you probably add up all the scenes he's in it's it's relatively small right yeah i i think redfern is in it more than the warlock for sure and and whatever he's in you know is often special effects heavy so he's like flying in front of green screen or something you can kind of barely see him there's not a ton of acting going on but uh but yeah, it's uh, it's our way of paying tribute to the career of this lovely man who once again was taken from us too soon, but did leave behind a huge body of well-respected work. Yeah, very cool guy. Um, again, you know, he was missing for so long. We talked about this. Yeah. When uh, we heard that he was missing, we're like, oh man, there's going to be a tribute episode coming. And it's a bummer because uh, he really was a cool guy. It's It's too bad that he's gone. But like you said and like we always say how fortunate these people are to have had the opportunity to leave behind such a legacy we don't all get that opportunity so you know a life well lived good good for him yep 
Well, thank you again for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. You can find us online just by Googling Two Guys in a Chainsaw Podcast. Go to our Twitter feed, our Facebook page, become a patron, uh, patreon.com slash chainsaw podcast. And uh, we have an Instagram and a YouTube channel as well. Any one of those places, tell us your favorite Julian Sands movie and give us plenty of ideas for films we should cover in the future. Until then, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With Two Guys in a Chainsaw. Ah.